Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, May 22nd. We have just completed the observance and celebration of Passover and the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But did you know that Passover is not really over until we get to Shavuot? There is the counting of the Omer, a 50-day count that takes you up to the next biblical feast, which is Shavuot or Pentecost. The Omer is counted each evening after sundown. This year, Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June 4th, and ends at sunset on Monday, June 6th. We are to stand when counting the Omer, and we begin by reciting the following blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kitshanu mitzvotav zivanu al-sefirat haomer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. After the blessing, we recite the appropriate day of the count. For example, Hayom Yom Echad La Omer. Today is the 36th day of the counting of the Omer. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Bekukotai, and it means In My Statutes. Leviticus 26.3-15 If you follow my laws and faithfully observe my commandments, I will grant your rains in their season so that the earth shall yield its produce and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing shall be overtake the vintage, and your vintage shall overtake the sowing, and you shall eat your fill of bread and dwell securely in your land. I will grant peace in the land, and you shall lie down untroubled by any one. I will give the land respite from vicious beasts, and no sword shall cross your land. You shall give chase to your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall give chase to a hundred, and a hundred of you shall give chase to ten thousand. Your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will look with favor upon you and make you fertile and multiply you, and I will maintain my covenant with you. You shall eat old grain, long stored, and you shall have to clear out the old to make room for the new. I will establish my abode in your midst, and I will not spurn you. I will be ever present in your midst. I will be your God, and you shall be my people. 
I, Hashem, am your God who brought you out from the land of the Egyptians to be their slaves no more, who broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commands, if you reject my laws and spurn my rules so that you do not observe all my commandments and you break my covenant, Second Samuel one, one to two, eleven. After the death of Saul, David had already returned from defeating the Amalekites. David stayed two days in Ziglag. On the third day, a man came from Saul's camp, with his clothes rent and earth on his head. And as he approached David, he flung himself to the ground and bowed low. David said to him, "Where are you coming from?" He answered, I have just escaped from the camp of Israel. What happened? asked David. Tell me. And he told him how the troops had fled the battlefield, and that, moreover, many of the troops had fallen and died, also that Saul and his son Jonathan were dead. How do you know? David asked the young man who brought him the news that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. The young man who brought him the news answered, I happen to be at Mount Gilboa, And I saw Saul leaning on his spear, and the chariots and horsemen closing in on him. He looked around and saw me, and he called to me. When I responded, At your service, he asked me, Who are you? And I told him that I was an Amalekite. And then he said to me, Stand over me and finish me off, for I am in agony and barely alive. So I stood over him and finished him off, for I knew that he would never rise from where he was lying. Then I took the crown from his head and the armlet from his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. David took hold of his clothes and rent them, and so did all the men with him. They lamented and wept, and they fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan, and for the soldiers of Hashem and the house of Israel who had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who had brought him the news, Where are you from? He replied, I am the son of a resident alien, an Amalekite. How did you dare, David said to him, to lift your hand and kill Hashem's anointed? Thereupon David called one of the attendants and said to him, Come over and strike him. He struck him down, and he died. And David said to him, Your blood be on your own head. Your own mouth testified against you when you said, I put Hashem's anointed to death. And David intoned this dirge over Saul and his son Jonathan. He ordered the Judites to be taught the song of the bow. It is recorded in the book of Jasher. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. How have the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, do not proclaim it in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistine rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. O hills of Gilboa, Let there be no dew or rain on you or bountiful fields, for there the shield of warriors lay rejected, the shield of Saul polished with oil no more. From the blood of slain, from the fat of warriors, the bow of Jonathan never turned back, the sword of Saul never withdrew empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and cherished, never parted in life or in death. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions." 
Daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in crimson and finery, who decked your robes with jewels of gold. How have the mighty fallen in the thick of battle, Jonathan slain on your heights? I grieve for you, my brother Jonathan, you were most dear to me. Your love was wonderful to me, more than the love of women. How have the mighty fallen, the weapons of war perished. Sometime afterward, David inquired of Hashem, Shall I go up to one of the towns of Yehuda? Hashem answered, Yes. David further asked, Which one shall I go up to? And Hashem replied, To Hebron. So David went up there along with his two wives, Ahinoam of Israel and Abigail, wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. David also took the men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in the towns about Hebron. The men of Yehuda came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Yehuda. David was told about the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed of Hashem because you performed this act of faithfulness to your lord Saul and buried him. May Hashem in turn show you true faithfulness, and I too will reward you generously because you performed this act. Now take courage and be brave men, for your lord Saul is dead, and the house of Yehuda has already anointed me king over them. But Abner, son of Ner, Saul's army commander, had taken Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and brought him across to Mahanaim, and made him king over Gilead, the Assyrians, Israel, Ephraim, and Benjamin, over all Israel. Ishbosheth, son of Saul, was forty years old when he became king of Israel, and he reigned two years. But the house of Yehuda supported David. The length of time that David reigned in Hebron over the house of Yehuda was seven years and six months. John twelve twenty to fifty, and there were certain Greeks among them, the crowds that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir. We would see Yeshua. Philip came and told Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And Yeshua answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Yeshua answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. 
and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the Torah that Christ abides forever, and how do you say, The Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Yeshua said to them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walks in darkness knows not where he goes. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be children of light. These things spoke Yeshua, and departed, and did hide himself from them. And though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Yeshua cried and said, He that believes on me believes not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sees me sees him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what should I say, and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Psalm 118, 19-29 Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have heard me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, and send now prosperity. Blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. He that is greedy of gain troubles his own house, but he that hates gifts shall live. The heart of the righteous studies to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Leviticus 26, 
Then we're going to jump into 2 Samuel, and then we'll jump into John chapter 12. And in our Torah portion in Leviticus chapter 26, in verse 3 and 4, it reads, If you follow my laws and faithfully observe my commandments, I will grant your rains in their seasons, so that the earth shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field their fruit. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Israel depends heavily on rain in order to grow its crops, as it does not have an independent body of water, which can provide sufficient irrigation. Water can be the source of great blessing, but at the wrong times, too much or too little water can also be a curse. In this verse, Hashem promises that if the children of Israel follow His commandments and do what He asks of them, He will bless them with the right amount of water at the right times in order to provide an abundance of crops. In Hebrew, this rain is called Gishme Baraka, rain of blessing. Now I want to jump into 2 Samuel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 1, the scene opens with an Amalekite soldier who is reporting in to David to tell him that Saul and Jonathan are dead. But he embellishes the story. He doesn't tell the truth. As you recall in the closing chapters from 1 Samuel, Saul fell on his own sword. He took his own life rather than be captured or tortured or killed by the Amalekites or the Philistines. But this soldier embellishes the story and basically tells David that he is the one who stood over him and finished him off. So now, in verse 23, it reads, Saul and Jonathan, beloved and cherished, never parted in life or in death. They were swifter than eagles and they were stronger than lions. This is David lamenting over the death of Saul, his archenemy, who many times tried to kill him, and Jonathan, his beloved friend. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Though King Saul had tried to kill David, David deeply mourns his death and that of his close friend Jonathan, Saul's son. In this powerful eulogy, David says that Saul and Jonathan are not separated in death. Radok explains that this means that although they knew they would die in battle, King Saul and Jonathan would not separate from the people of Israel. They do not flee, but rather lead the nation into battle, and they heroically fall together. They serve as powerful role models for the soldiers of the Israeli Defense Forces, who willingly risk their lives every day for the people and state of Israel. Continuing on, um, David becomes the king of the southern kingdom of Yehuda or Judah, while Ishbosheth, Saul's son, rules as king over the northern kingdom or the house of Israel for only two and a half years. So in chapter 2, verse 4, it is written. The men of Yehuda came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Yehuda. David was told about the men of Jabesh Gilead who buried Saul. 
Now, David ruled and reigned from Hebron for about six years, a little bit more than six years, before he eventually and ultimately ends up ruling and reigning from the city of David, from the Jerusalem area. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. At God's instruction, following the death of King Saul, David goes to the holy city of Hebron. There he is anointed king by the people of Yehudah. Though the prophet Samuel had already anointed him, his anointment by the people demonstrates their acceptance of his reign. King David rules for Hebron, from Hebron for seven and a half years. This shows that Hebron is not only the burial site of the patriarchs and the matriarchs, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and Leah. It is also the cradle of Israel's monarchy. Today's Jewish community of Hebron serves a critical function by preserving Jewish sovereignty over this ancient and historic city and the right of all to pray at the cave of the patriarchs. I highly recommend that if you ever make a trip to Israel, that you plan it so that you're able to get to Hebron. A lot of your mainstream tourist trips don't go to Hebron. But there are some that do, and they take you in a bulletproof bus, because Hebron is a stronghold of the Palestinians, but there is a small Jewish community present there. But it's um, very, very powerful to visit the cave of the patriarchs and to see the Torah study room that goes on. It's a very vibrant Jewish community, and um, it's just really special to visit Hebron. Okay, now let's jump into the New Testament, John chapter 12. And there are some words of Yeshua that I want us to think about. Yeshua says to his disciples in verse 24, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And he that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. What does that really mean, to hate your own life in this world? What does that mean, versus loving your life in this world? Does it mean we need to think badly of ourselves and have low self-esteem and hate ourselves? I don't think so. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think what he's talking about is laying down our life to serve others. And laying down, recognizing that our life is not our own, that we have been bought with a price, and that we are to do the will of God. And sometimes the will of God is not what we would choose, because it may, may be sacrificial, It may be painful, it may be difficult, not comfortable, and yet there's a great joy in doing the will of God. He may lead you down a path that you yourself would never have chosen for yourself. 
and yet he leads you down that path because he is sovereign, he's El Elyon, he's the Most High. And there may be some sorrows and some grief and some tribulations that you go through on that path. And yet Yeshua is with you in it. And it's often through the painful times, the painful seasons in our life, that the most growth happens. I think what he's talking about here is that we have to die to our flesh and to our ego, to our pride, to our selfishness. That's what it means to hate your life, to die to those things and to let the life of Yeshua increase and increase and let him live his life through you, that you're simply the vessel and it's his spirit his spirit, that is living in you, in your mortal vessel. He goes on to say in verse 39 and 40, Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Abba Father, I just pray right now, today, that we would not be blinded, that we would not have any hardened hearts, that our eyes would be open to your truth, and that our heart would be circumcised, that we would love you and embrace you and embrace your word, and that your word would be written upon our heart. Father, if there are any scales that are blinding us, please cause them to fall away. If there are any areas in our heart that are hardened, please do your work to do the cutting away of the foreskin of the heart so that we would be yielded, submitted, soft and tender to the moving of your spirit. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.